Welcome to the Consortium Podcast, an academic audio blog of Kepler Education. Kepler is a consortium of independent classical Christian teachers unified by a shared vision for student flourishing. Welcome to the Consortium Podcast. I'm Scott Postman, your host, and today I'm really excited to introduce to our audience Timothy Knotts, who is one of the directors and founders of the New England Consortium of Classical Educators. Timothy, really good to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm well, thanks. It's good to be here with you, Scott. Well, as we were kind of talking before the show, I see some snow behind you. Uh, so New England is uh, has a little bit of uh, cold going on right now. Is that correct? Yeah, we're still in winter here. Uh, I know some of our friends to the south are looking at some warmer weather already, and uh, we're we're still fairly firmly entrenched in the winter part of the year. Well, that's great. New England must be beautiful in the wintertime. I know it certainly is in the fall. Um, well, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the New England Consortium, talk a little bit about uh, what's happening this year and uh, with the conference and the theme of the conference. And so I'm really excited to get into that. But one of the things that we really value is hearing about your own journey in classical education. How were you educated? What brought you into classical education? So maybe could you give our audience a little background into yourself and, and what brought you to classical education and how you were educated? Sure. Yeah, I was uh, definitely a public school product myself. Um, but my wife and I both agree, you know, looking in retrospect with what we know now, <clears throat> that both of us really received the rudiments of a classical education at home that that really brought us to where we are today. Uh, she she puts it this way, that she got educated at home with some assistance from the public school. Um, and I think that's, that's really true. My parents did a, a really good job of introducing me and my brother to things that are good and true and beautiful, the timeless classics, and made sure that we had uh, habits and character that would really endure. Uh, you know, those things didn't come from the public school, but came from, from our homes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it was, a, it was a, a long, strange journey to get to classical Christian education, as it is for many people, I think, of our generation who, who didn't have the benefit of the classical renewal really uh, getting its feet under it when we were young. Um, I was a college student and pursuing my degree in history and education, and I did my student practicum teaching and was very dissatisfied with the state of the relationship between teachers and administrators and parents and students. And so I ended up going to law school uh, and uh, gained some great skills from, from that, of being a careful reader, uh, understanding the, the form of arguments. And uh, when I got out of law school, I went to work for a firm and did some litigation for a while. Uh, but, but when we had children, uh, we encountered classical conversations and my wife is a Suzuki violin teacher. She saw the foundations program and it clicked immediately for her because Suzuki violin and classical education actually have quite a bit in common at the younger um, phases of life. And uh, I was 
uh, sort of tacitly accepting <laughs> of what she wanted to do at that point. Anything to make your young wife with young children uh, who's who's starting to homeschool happy is is a good investment. Uh, For sure. But when I went and saw what was really going on there <clears throat> with the older students, uh, it it clicked into place a lot of things that I already knew but hadn't yet understood the importance of. Uh, between my law school education and, and my my education part of my degree program, and and again what I learned growing up in my house uh, with my parents that that there are things that are are bigger and more important than sort of the facts and figures and the curriculum elements that are emphasized in in the public school education um, system at large. Uh, and it was that point that <clears throat> I really started to read and try to understand what was going on and why. And, uh, you know, from there, I, I did some work as a director for Classical Conversations, and I've been through the Circe apprenticeship program and graduated from that last year. Uh, and now I work for Classical Conversations as a lead curriculum developer. So, uh, the Lord has opened a lot of doors and been gracious to bring me from a place of a lot of ignorance into more understanding. And of course, with more understanding comes even more questions. Right. <laughs> well, you, what I hear you describing is something that um, uh, Hans Gadamer, what <clears throat> kind of comes to my mind anyway, in, um, in his work, um, I think it's Truth and Method, uh, where he talks about these horizons of understanding, you know, and he's talking about context, understanding that that language and knowledge, you know, come to us, we 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 accept it or or form our minds around it, you know, in a particular context, and new contexts actually give us new horizons of understanding. And what you just described to me, I hear a lot of people talk about that, where you know maybe they were introduced as a young person to you know reading some classic books or maybe some librarian or teacher. Um, it wasn't in their formal structural education, but somewhere maybe at home, like in your case. Um, but then later on, when all of a sudden everything's coming together, like those pieces that are kind of sitting over there, like you know about them, but where do they fit? All of a sudden take on a new meaning. And that sounds like what uh, what you're describing in, in some way. It, would that be an accurate assessment? Or Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you're right that that there's that maybe layers of understanding, right? That, that you can understand something in its barest context. Um, but as you grow and learn and see things in new lights based on new experiences or other knowledge gained, you, you begin to appreciate how much fuller um, or more important things are than than the value you originally assigned to them. Yeah, I, I, that's a good way of putting it, uh, recognizing the value uh, in a new way. And, and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of parents that I talk to that are, you know, their, their kids might be in classical education, but they didn't get the classical education. Just like, you know, we didn't uh, or I didn't, you know, in, in a public school environment. And then, you know, there's this sort of anxiety that comes with it, like, um, oh no, I, it's it's past me now. I can't get a classical education. I wish I could have this. Um, but understanding that you know 
there, there are pieces to that probably in our life somewhere that uh, we have the opportunity to continue to develop that and be lifelong learners. And so anyway, your testimony just kind of reminded me that and I think that's a really uh, important point for our audience to hear. So you're, you're, you're a lead curriculum developer for classical conversations. What does that look like? Uh, it's a huge blessing. Uh, I get the chance to dig deeply into things that have captured my imagination and my affections over the time of sort of entering into classical Christian education to the to that point, you know, where you're you're running out and buying the books or uh, paying to attend the conferences or <clears throat> logging on to the podcasts, and it's all. Uh, it's all on your own time, on your own dime. You know, in the evenings after the kids have gone to bed, you're trying to to better yourself or or learn more, and <clears throat> to be able to do it as a career uh, is an enormous blessing. Uh, you get to work with some great people who who like to read and and think deeply about not just. Uh, not just the philosophies behind classical education, though those are wonderful and good things, but also how do you practically bring that to people and to do it, uh, to go back a, a step in this conversation, how do you bring it to people in the context that they find themselves in? Uh, we have a lot of families in CC and really everywhere who are brand new to the idea of classical education. So they may not be ready to jump right into the deep end of the pool, uh, but they but they need some structure and some handholding and some explanations of the sort that they can understand in relation to the things they do know. And so getting to do this work is, uh, you know, it, it, it feels a bit evangelistic at times. Uh, and it's, it's both very difficult to take things that have been true and good and beautiful and great through the ages and to break them down into sort of bite-sized pieces, things that our, our parents and our students can understand and apply. Uh, that's a pretty monumental task at times, um, but it's very rewarding. Uh, it, it sounds like it. Oh, I, <clears throat> I can imagine how satisfying that would be to take your passion and your job and, and those two things get to be the same thing. What a blessing. And and the other thing you mentioned I thought was really important is the idea that you're breaking this down into bite-sized pieces. And, and this sort of goes back to the original thing we were just talking about. I, I find that parents sometimes feel that anxiety, not because they didn't have it, but then they also don't know how to ask the question. Like, I don't know what to ask what I don't know about, right? And And so, and then you feel you know, there's this shame that comes with, well, I should know this by now. You know, my kids know this. I should, and I don't know it. Um, but all of us, you know, come to an understanding of some of these great things that are true, good, and beautiful um, in our own journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. So you're helping them by breaking that down. Uh, and that's that's fascinating to me. And that's an important work. I, I wonder, I, maybe it's proprietary, so don't feel like an obligation, but can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? And if not, we'll move on. <laughs> Uh, I can tell you uh, some of the things, you know, I, I write, um, I'm responsible for the, the curriculum elements that are, that are within our debate strand. Uh, that's something that, you know, the CC is always looking to, to be better. 
than we have been uh, and to be moving forward to things that are more classical and more Christian and more useful in community. Those are really our three pillars. Um, the debate strand is uh, one that a lot of people find challenging. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of things in it's a, you know it's a history element to the curriculum as well as the skills uh, in in the debate form uh, and so trying to work toward a, a greater harmony um, and more utility and and a, and a and a smoother progression so that students as they come into the program find that it makes sense to move forward one step to the next. Uh, and to do it in harmony um, rather than trying to sort of make the leaps that sometimes we find uh, across, you know, a multi-year curriculum. Well, that's, yeah, I, I imagine your, um, your uh, litigation or your, your law degree probably has a lot, not only your, your classical training at, at Cersei and, and other places, but probably that experience in law is probably very helpful as well. Uh, I meet a lot of people who uh, with, a law background actually feel like in some ways they do get a classical education, um, you know, just reading the text, learning to read carefully and, and um, thinking through things, you know, uh, rationally and logically are, uh, are super helpful. So I imagine that's helpful. Well, thank you for that work you're doing. Um, so another work that obviously you and I both are, um, you know, passionate about and, and involved in uh, has to do with the New England Consortium of Classical Educators. And um, you and, and a couple of others uh, have been very instrumental in founding a program, um, a community of fellowship in New England, where really there's not a lot of things going on there. Can you talk a little bit about that? But what, what's the what's the goal? What's your passion? Who's involved with you? Yeah, yeah. So a few years back, well, actually <laughs> taking it a little further back than that, many years ago. Uh, a good friend of mine who I've known since we were teenagers, uh, lost connection over the years and reconnected through classical conversations, um, talked about this idea that we needed uh, homegrown opportunities. We needed places where people who love the great books and Western cultural history and, uh, and that, learning from one another about how to teach our children well, how to think about life and reality through a Christian worldview, all these things that sort of live together in our world. <clears throat> we needed someplace, a space, uh, an opportunity for, for us to do that. Um, but being busy in life, the two of us talked about it and never did much with it until we had a third friend come along. And so a few years back, uh, Sarah Abbott and Heather Lee, Sylvia and I uh, founded uh, what was then the Classical Learning Consortium for New England uh, in its origins and uh, started to put together ways that we saw um, to serve people here in New England with the particular needs that are in New England, but mostly seeking to be hospitable, to, to make it so that it's a comfortable place, a comfortable way for people to get together, no matter if they're in that brand new, I've heard of this and I want to know more phase or whether they're 
out reading uh, David Hicks, you know, twice a year and, <laughs> uh, and, and love listening to Roger Scruton on, on the internet over and over. Uh, but, but being able to have different kinds of events in person, online, uh, but based here in New England and for New Englanders, at least primarily. Um, and uh, it wasn't very long after we got our ourselves organized uh, that that you, Scott, and and Kepler Education connected with Sarah, and we started having some conversations. And we were thinking, well, in another year or two, maybe we'll we'll have enough juice to get a a big conference of some kind put together, and and you came along and. And you put that into sort of hyperdrive by offering to support us with some resources and um, and help get the information out. And so we sort of quickly adapted and and three years ago had our first conference. So this summer we'll be having our third annual conference, and it's been a real joy and a privilege to be able to be part of that and to serve people uh, and to come together uh, in ways that. You know, you pretty much you have to travel to North Carolina or or out there to Moscow or or down to Texas to one of the big conferences to get the sort of things that we try to offer at our summer conference. Well, I I I don't want to disrupt your train of thought here, but a couple of things that come to my mind. First off, um, you know, traveling to a conference. We I learned this last year. You know, as we planned out our summer. I realize, you know, traveling from Dallas, Texas to New England uh, is just about as far as traveling from Dallas, Texas to Idaho. Like that's, you know, you're not realizing how far removed, you know, you, you know your geography by looking uh, at a map, but actually sitting down and, and traveling and go, wow, this is, you know, um, this is a, a journey. Um, and and so, yeah, having something for New England, I, I think, is such an important vision and what you guys are doing is amazing. And I say this also um, and there's no way for me to other than just, you know, uh, say up front that um, this is not meant to be biased, although I, I recognize how me saying this would be biased. But honestly, um, my time at the New England Consortium is probably one of the best conferences I've ever attended, um, given the, the hospitality that you're talking about, the scope and, and the, uh, the people you're serving. I mean, of course, there are bigger conferences and people have been doing longer and those kinds of things. But in terms of what you're doing, uh, it's honestly one of the best conferences. And we don't, you know, that's not us doing anything directly. That's your hospitality. And so I want to just commend you on that and, and just let our listeners know that if you're in the New England area, um, the Summer Consortium Conference in New England is just it's amazing. You'll eat good food. You'll meet a lot of good friends and you'll hear some fabulous, you know, speakers. Uh, so thank you, Tim, for the work you and Sarah and Heather are doing there. Um, can you talk a little bit about then this summer's conference? So you mentioned the summer coming up um, and I want to hear a little bit about that and then maybe some other things that you guys are doing year round. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, we love having you and your lovely bride, Tammy, out for the conference uh, too in the summer. So uh, for those of you who who maybe would have to travel a little bit uh, and aren't so sure about our conference yet, the conference is good, but you also get a chance to hang out with Scott and Tammy. So that's worth the trip all by itself. Um, so this summer, yeah, our conference is in Maynard, Massachusetts, which is 
right in the area of Lexington and Concord. So if you're a history buff, America, uh, that's a great spot to come and visit and not too far from Boston. I was going to say something sarcastic, like, where is that on the map? What, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> right you can see where the shot heard around the world occurred uh so it's july uh 12th and 13th and last year we emphasized beauty one of the three great transcendentals this summer we're emphasizing truth um we chose beauty last year though truth is always a very urgent question in the in the post-truth age that we live in um because beauty is often the thing that wins us right it wins our affections uh it warms us to things um but having discussed that last year we're going to spend our summer really contemplating truth and what is it and what does it mean and how does it inform our our teaching and and hopefully our own self-education um so so we'll have a number of keynote addresses that will talk about that. Uh, I think I'm going to be privileged to open the conference this year. My intent is to talk about um, the the unified nature of truth in, in its sort of two primary guises of logos and mythos. Uh, mm. The fact is that our modern era loves the idea of truth but only the truth that lives in the logos then they want to to know the facts and on only the facts and feel like that gives them some kind of certainty about the meaning of things when in reality without without the mythos without the story without the embodiment uh the meaning of the truth is is lost and so so i think that's going to be a a fun thing to explore uh and then we'll have a number of breakout sessions. So it's not all heady uh, philosophical talk. We have a lot of ways to get in and become a better learner and a better teacher. Uh, we'll have a lot of sessions that will uh, touch on on many different things. So, so you'll get a chance to customize your experience to some degree, find the things that are your areas of interest or your areas of need. Uh, that's that's exciting. I, I love that you brought up this idea of logos and and mythos um, and and their interconnectedness. I know David Hicks treats that pretty uh, strongly in his Norms and Nobility. C.S. Lewis has done a lot of work in this area, um, and this is an important concept because you mentioned a moment ago that it's beauty that draws us, the beauty that that wins our affections, that we're able to swallow the truth. Right? I, I'm I'm thinking of was it Mary Poppins at a spoon sugar spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. You know, truth sometimes can be a bitter pill. Sometimes the truth can be harsh um, or feel harsh um, in its its reality. Um, but when it's in story, we recognize, you know, as you mentioned, the embodiment of it. Um, I think this is really important. This is this is such a, a big concept. And the introduction to our, our last consortium, uh, which was our consortium journal was focused on truth, um, I mentioned some of the ideas that in our postmodern culture uh, have challenged, you know, understandings of truth that have, you know, created some controversy. And, and so I'm excited this year to hear the talks on truth and, and to engage and to do so in such a hospitable um, 
environment. So if you're in the New England area or willing to drive, uh, we had some folks that that came up last year. Uh, I think they came from like the Chicago area or maybe Lake Erie area, something that came all the way up to uh, to be there because that was the closest uh, classical you know education conference that they could go to. So it's it's worth the trip. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes to the, the conference registration and things so you can find it really easily. So, Tim, what else um, is the New England Consortium doing? So is it just a summer conference? Do you guys do other things? Um, what, what else is going on? Yeah, we try very hard to make sure that we're not just a summer conference. It's far too long between the summer conferences to really keep feeding, right? And we're not boa constrictors. We can't sort of eat a whole antelope and then sleep all year and then wake up to eat again. <laughs> um, we need to be, we need to be reminded of the truth and to be fed constantly. Uh, so, uh, so we, we have a, a, an online book club that's on the Kepler platform. This year we've been working our way through the ransom trilogy every other Tuesday night. And so in the fall we did that hideous strength and Paralandra. Oh no, sorry, we did uh, out of the silent planet and Paralandra. And this spring we're doing that hideous strength in conjunction with uh, the abolition of man because mm. it's really the companion text. Uh, and speaking of mythos and logos, it's sort of a lovely two in one right there for you. Uh, and uh, and through it all, we've also been referencing a little along the way uh, Christiana Hale's book um, that's a a companion to the ransom trilogy um that's uh deep deepest heaven sorry deep, the name yeah, deeper heaven i think deeper heaven the... thank you uh the name just went out of my head as i opened my mouth to say it of course um and that's been some great conversation it is a book club style so it's not lecture oriented it's conversation based uh, trying to really get into the text and understand what lewis is trying to show us about human nature and society and and the truth itself um we have various training opportunities that come on throughout the year uh coming up uh heather lee sylvia one of my co-founders is doing some trainings a, a series a short series of trainings on how to be classical so really understanding that a classical education isn't something that you pick up a curriculum or a box set and give it to your students and they suddenly become classical, but it's a, it's a whole life endeavor, something that you have to take up um, day in and day out and outside of school hours to, to really gain from it what it is meant to be. Uh, we had scheduled on Tuesday night, except for there was a snowstorm, uh, a, a night of poetry reading and discussion on some great late eight, late 19th and early 20th century English poets, uh, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, T.S. Eliot. We'll have to reschedule that one. Um, and occasionally we have the opportunity to hold events uh, up at the Blake Center um, that's operated by Hillsdale College here in Summers, Connecticut where we do some on-site teaching or, or book discussions there as well. So all sorts of things going on, some big, some small. Uh, we do have a couple of classical schools that we do some teacher training for as well. So any uh, co-ops or uh, homeschool co-ops or, or schools that are looking for ways to improve their faculty uh, in, in their 
classical teaching, uh, we, we offer that. So they don't have to fly somebody in from really far away uh, and incur the, the pretty huge expense of all the travel costs. Uh, so again, we want to be a local resource for local classical schools and, and homeschoolers. I, I love that. Um, I love what you guys are doing. And, and I know I said that a moment ago, but I, I really love it because you're, you're really meeting people where they're at and where the needs are. And I hear all the time, I hear parents saying, how do I get this education? I hear uh, homeschool co-ops or, or new teachers are coming into classical education. Maybe they're public school teachers. Like, how do I learn how to do this? Uh, new school starting up, what do we do? And, and I, I mention that because if you are in need of something like that, um, the resources, and, and you can find it all, the Kepler website's kind of a, a great one-stop shop place. Um, we have a teacher training program, but you can get in-person um, help. Uh, there are low bar entry, like with the book club. When I say low bar, I don't mean it's low quality. I mean, it's easy access. You come in and you read a book and you have a conversation. And that is getting a classical education. That's really engaging in the classical life. And there's no better way to, um, you know, to, to enter that way. So that's what I mean by low bar. Um, making it super easy to, to enter. So take advantage of those if if you have that, if you're in the New England area. Um, and we, we just recently published one of um, Heather's talks, Heather Lee's talks uh, on the seven uh, steps toward a classical life from, from her talk on the Consortium podcast. We'll put the link there. Um, but a lot of great things, a lot of great opportunities. So there's no reason not to meet people and get involved when uh, the New England consortium is as, as um, hospitable as they really are. So thank you for all that, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Scott. We're, we definitely believe that it's far more effective to learn to be a classical thinker and teacher by doing it yeah. with others who know something about what they're doing than it is to be told what to do and how to do it right, right. there's this uh, there's this sort of life on life discipleship thing that we understand in the christian life uh but somehow we don't think that maybe that applies in in education we think we need some kind of a formalized method um but in reality it's just that it's getting in and being with people who read carefully and and being inspired by that and practicing doing better at it and talking about things in a way that's a little more engaging or uh, a little more intellectual than just tell me what happened in the book uh, or, or sitting back and listening to someone talk about it, but instead engaging with it. And that's really part of that hospitable model that we want to, to give as a classical teacher of any kind at home or at a school, that idea of hospitality is, uh, is something that's, it's, it's how you become an effective teacher, right? As a, as a teacher, you want your students, your children to be welcomed in to what you're doing with them and to feel at home with what, with, with what it all is and how we do it. Uh, we hope to model that so that people can experience it and then take it and do the same with their classrooms or their, or their homes. Uh, what you just described is so essential and you guys do that very well. 
um, and I don't, I hope this isn't a podcast where it sounds like I'm just flattering all the time, you know, give that, but I mean, I really mean you guys do it well. And New England isn't the place you typically think of, of hospitality, right? So people talk about Southern hospitality, New England uh, doesn't usually have that reputation. And yet what you're doing, um, you know, in the classical, you know, realm uh, for hospitality. And you made a connection a moment ago about this idea of, of discipleship and education. And, and so I think part of our modern concept concept of, of education has been institutionalized to the point where we forget Paul used the word paideo in training up our children right this is the idea of, of education and discipleship are, are in many ways one and the same thing right we're being formed into the human beings that that we were redeemed to be uh, and education just as part of it this you know those aren't two separate things so I say all of that really to kind of set this question up you talked about kind of the theory and philosophy but would you take a moment, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but would you take a moment and talk about how does an educator, whether they're a home educator, a parent, um, you're hosting a book club, you're a teacher, how do you in practice be hospitable to students? What are some practical tips to being hospitable? Yeah, uh, that's a, a very big question, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm putting you on the spot. You work. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so first the first thing to me is to recognize that as a as a classical educator you're still a student too that we all are in pursuit of knowledge and understanding and wisdom mm-hmm. that that the teacher doesn't have the corner on that market and doesn't know everything and can't be expected to know everything. And so coming together to pursue those things not as peers but as co-journeyers toward that destination uh, a teacher who's a little farther ahead perhaps than the student but still see looking up and seeing that there's a long way to go uh, you know that mentorship of coming alongside someone who's younger and, and you mentioned it a minute ago with paideia that uh, you're helping to usher them into the fullness of the humanity that they ought to have. Uh, and to understand that that's something that's a, a great responsibility, but also something that's very natural. And I, I don't mean that in sort of the base way that you could take it, but in that elevated sense of it's what we're meant to do. It's what we're meant to be is to be both leaders and followers that we we look to those who have gone the few steps ahead of us. Uh, you know, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, so the the classical teacher who's going to be effective is the one who's who's going to be compassionate and patient because he or she recollects that. We all, we've all been humbled. We all need to be maintain that sense of humility. Uh, you know, whenever I feel sort of that that inkling of pride about, oh, look, these hard books that I've previously struggled with, but now I, but now I enjoy reading. Uh, I, all I have to do is pick up, uh, you know, uh, the book of a great philosopher, <laughs> modern or otherwise. Uh, Roger Scruton, I mentioned earlier, frequently defies my understanding. Um, the depth of his thinking is is profound. 
Um, and it helps to be reminded that that my students, my children, may not get everything that I get yet, but they know more than they did before, and and we're we're progressing toward that, hopefully together. I love that. Um, I'm the one thing that just stands out is that posture of humility, that first among equals, right? That we're you know leading others in in that education, but that posture of humility that we've all been there and we all have to go through. You know the journeys maybe a little bit different, but in a sense, in one sense, it's the same, you know, where there's always, there's always growing and learning to do. So I love that. Um, so thank you for, for helping us with it. Well, as we kind of wrap up and, and conclude um, our podcast today, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with anything that um, is on your heart and mind that you wish you could be, you know, wish we could talk about this or share that? Um, I, I just want to go back to one thing you said earlier about the low bar, uh, I think that's really important. It's it's easy to see some of the great things that are going on and to to appreciate the depth of conversation and and research and application of that research in some of the organizations within the classical renewal that are are wonderful and good. And then to think, yeah, but I I can't do that mm -hmm. i don't have the time i don't understand what they're talking about and then to say so so therefore i'm i'm just not equipped i'm not going to try it's not worth right it's not worth it um and that's a, t a terrible misservice to yourself uh find the the easy way in uh that the poetry night or the book club uh or sometimes just shadowing somebody or, uh, you know, setting something up to talk every once in a while about the things that you're encountering in teaching your children or your, or your students, uh, or just the hard books that you yourself are trying to read and having a hard time with. Uh, it's stepwise, you know, there's, there are books that are great books that aren't for everybody yet. <laughs> <laughs> but they may be in the future. So if you read it once and it didn't sink in, don't cast it aside. Put it away for a while and try it again later. Uh, you know, if you tried a, a a classical thing that was a little too much for you now, wait and try it again. Uh, but but don't say it's all like that. It's all too hard. Uh, this is this is the natural way that we learn and teach. It's just different than what we've experienced for those of us who grew up in modern America. And, and it takes time to change habits. That's fabulous advice. And um, what I, I would sum up what you just said once again with that idea of humility, right? We need humility as teachers. We also need humility as learners uh, to realize that, you know, if you don't get it, it's okay. Um, we just, we're just plugging away. Tim, thanks so much for um, taking the time today to, to visit with me and talk about these things. I'm really looking forward to seeing you all in uh, this summer. Um, and um, I, I would, like to join the um, that hideous strength one of my favorite works in the abolition of man there's such a a beautiful paired you know one is the 
the actual prose of the work and the other, you could call it kind of the poetry of the Logos and the Mythos as you used earlier. Um, so I hope you'll join this spring if you're uh, not doing something and you want to jump into a, a classical education experience. Um, this, I can't think of a better one uh, to cut your teeth on. So thanks again, Timothy. Thank you for uh, meeting today. Yeah, thanks, Scott. This is a great talk. God bless you all. Take care. Thank you.